When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and previously on Galactica, actually, this is <laughs> this is ADL Jackson, and my co-host is Jamie Smith. And today we'll be going over uh, Resurrection Ship Part One, um, and this is the I guess the second act of the. Epic, what I call peak Battlestar, um, Battlestar Galactica, um, and we have some twists and turns and some interesting stuff that happens in this episode that sets us up, sets us up for the next one, which is a banger. Um, how are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. Um, a little, a little tired. Little, uh, I don't know. Been popping Zycam. <laughs> think I'm getting a cold, oh, but otherwise good. I don't like a, Z- a Zycam for uh, allergies or sneezing. Uh, no, it's these like little melts there. Like if you s- feel like you're starting to get a cold. Mm-hmm. So it's probably just like a lot of zinc and oh, vitamin C. Okay. Um, I had a question when I was watching this episode for you. Because um, okay. you you said that you started watching um, at the like the best episode of the series, which is uh, Black Market, correct? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then how did like when you so were you watching it from that point forward and never got to go back until the show kind of like was over and then. You no. went back to watch it. How did you? I yeah. so I watched Black Market mm-hmm. on a Friday, and on Saturday I went to Target and I bought season one. Okay, which was all that was available at the time. Mm-hmm. And then later that year, season two point oh mm-hmm. came out, and our friend Darnell bought it for me for my birthday. Okay. So then I got to watch that, but I was still like part 2.5, whatever, however they broke this up, whatever they call it. That was airing, I think. Okay. I can't remember. I don't remember exactly. It was definitely not season three yet Mm -hmm. because by the time season three was casting, that's when I was working at a talent agency and I was Mm -hmm. seeing sides for it. Okay. So I had completed seasons one and two but from where i was i didn't know about the pegasus i didn't know about the these episodes um hadn't seen them yet i saw them later but like within the same year Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Yeah, that's what I was curious about. Just uh, if you started at Black Market, like what was your feeling when you actually got to see these episodes, even though you had started like beyond them? So it still felt like new or something? Oh, or you didn't... yeah, it was still really exciting because I didn't mm-hmm. know, I didn't have a reference for the original series. So I didn't mm-hmm. know that there was a Pegasus in the original series. I mm-hmm. didn't. So this happening. You know, while I was watching the episodes that were currently airing, I wasn't asking a lot of questions about, like, tell me about what happened before this or what, you know, what did I miss? Mm -hmm. I just figured I would get there. I was just watching from where I was. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know about any of this. So it was all, like, I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I just knew that the because the Pegasus was now part of the fleet and Kane wasn't there, so I knew something happened. Yeah. But I didn't know what. Yeah. The fact that there were like two battle stars for so long just kind of hanging out. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, I just I was uh I was just kind of I was curious um because like as I, you know, I I was like kind of watching it in real time as they aired and even though yeah. obviously we talked about it before like I'm a big fan of the original and Pegasus is like kind of like the top of my mind when you know whenever i think about old school battlestar and so mm-hmm. kind of had an idea that they did it when they did do it it's still everything was a surprise because obviously everything's new twists and turns and stuff um just was curious how it felt watching it after it had happened so that's all strangely i kind of did the same exact thing when i started watching buffy I mm. just happened to catch an episode of Buffy. There was nothing else on. And so mm. I just was like, oh, my friend is really into the show. I'm just going to check it out. And it was like the fourth episode of season three, maybe the third episode of season three. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, my God, what have I been doing with my life? That I haven't <laughs> been watching this. And, you know, that was the 90s. And I couldn't just run out and buy the episodes like I yeah. could with Battlestar, I had to, all I could purchase was this like weird box set that had like six episodes or something mm-hmm. that was like mostly about Buffy and Angel. And so I like bought the episode guides that were put out the like, what are they called? The watcher guide. Mm-hmm. And I read everything I could about what I had missed until the DVDs actually became available. Mm. Okay. So I was, all in on a show that there was like two full seasons I had no way of watching because streaming didn't exist and they weren't out on VHS or DVD yet. Mm. And I just started at season three and kept going. And I would never do that now. I would never start a TV show in that way now. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean and it's well kind of the way tv structured too it, it would be really hard to get into a show that late um yeah you know um it's a lot more even though buffy was one of the first um shows to popularize uh i think like the ser- more uh serialized or ongoing mm-hmm. storytelling um it still was very much episodic so yeah you could, you know, kind of drop in on a particular episode and still not feel completely lost. But to these days, it's, I don't know. It's, yeah. If you're not watching it from day one or at least the first episode of a season or something, it's good luck. <laughs> 
Well, the good thing about now is that most things are streaming. So if something's in season three and you want to watch it, just pull it up on whatever streaming service it's on for now until they all collapse. And it's about watch. to say, you know, what's not on streaming? <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> I was actually just talking to somebody last night. Like I, you know, I was telling them I have, I'm doing this podcast, and they were like, "What is it?" And I'm like, "Battlestar." And then I get the same response all the time. Oh, it's so nerdy. And I'm like, oh, "Yeah, have you met me?" But uh, anyway, <laughs> I was talking about the show, and you know, same thing I say to people all the time that don't like they're not into sci-fi or whatever. It's like it happens to be it's a drama that happens to be sci-fi rather than like star Wars, which like is rooted in the science fiction and the fantasy and the adventure. And, and I was, I kind of like, I did this whole pitch and then she was like, Oh, I'm kind of interested to watch it. And then I was like, yeah, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> you want to invest in a Blu-ray box set? <laughs> yeah. She was like, Oh, check out Netflix or something. I was like, yeah, it's not, it's not on there. <laughs> So, um, I, mean, I, I, I guess you could purchase the first couple episodes on Vudu or whatever and see if you like it. Yeah, I mean, you know, but TV, TV these days, it's like, kind of, I mean, it's, I don't even want to purchase things and I'm like, I might be into that genre, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, anyway, but yeah, back to the Buffy thing. I actually, I was a pretty late, uh, viewer of Buffy. So I didn't actually partly on partly by design. This is going to sound really weird, um, but I was when the show. I think the first season of the show, I was watching way too much television, <laughs> and I did this thing called the five year plan, where I would not start any new shows for five years, and so that I could like kind of whittle down what I was watching. And so I think that first year I did it, Buffy started. So I never watched it. And so I was very aware of it. And one of my good friends, he's like, like he's just like insane about Buffy. So um, I didn't actually watch it. The first episode I watched was uh, Hush. Um, just because oh I was, God. I was so, I was just so intrigued, even though I was like, I'm not going to watch any new shows, but I was like, I was so intrigued by this idea of yeah. that episode that I sat down and watched it and I was blown away. And then, um, the, after that five year plan was over, that was with <laughs> two, that 2000. And that's when, um, I think that was the first season that was season six. So I started watching season Ooh. six, which was, yeah, it was terrible. But <laughs> at that fine. same, at that same time, uh, FX, I think just got Buffy. So, it was, so you were able to watch the reruns? Yeah, so I started at episode. I was kind of watching them at the same time. So I, I was watching, mm-hmm. you know, season one, one like every day. And then that that Tuesday, I'd watch, you know, whatever current episode of Buffy was. So that was like my Buffy experience, actually. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, See, but I also I... kind of knew a lot of stuff that was had happened or was going on vaguely just because, you know, I pay attention to what's going on in geek, Pop culture. geek worlds. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's still, yeah, Buffy, you know, Buffy like changed the way I watch TV because back then I think the only things that I made a point of watching were Friends and ER mm-hmm. and anything else. That if I missed it, I didn't care. Mm-hmm. And with Buffy, I was like, it's I lived in Arizona, so everything was on an hour earlier. And I was mm-hmm. like, it's seven o'clock on a Tuesday. Do not call me. Yeah. Yeah. I and used to do that to my if, friend. 
<laughs> if people called me, like I was dating this guy and he would call and I'd answer the phone and be like, Buffy is on. And I would hang up on him and he would get <laughs> so mad. But I'm like, you don't understand. I'm very serious about this. It's very yeah. important to me. I like that it just changed how I felt about storytelling and TV and what TV could be. Yeah. So, yeah, Buffy, I, I hate that Joss Whedon is such a piece of shit because mm -hmm. Buffy is so incredibly important to me. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like, am I allowed for it to be this important still? Yeah, I mean, I because think... Because he's so gross. Yeah, I think with time, it'll people will start to like come back to it and you know you just I, I of... hope so because it's still like i mean i'm biased but it was life-changing for me it just I'm, i think it was it's uh I mean, again i watched i came onto it late but it's like that buffy was amazing like i just do you remember uh, you when did... Columbine happened and they postponed oh, yeah yeah and do. they postponed they didn't air an episode Mm -hmm. And then they postponed the finale. Mm -hmm. And that was season three. And this was a time, kids, ask your parents. This was a time when there was no other way to see these things. So I remember being, like, absolutely distraught. Like, there's going to be an episode of Buffy that I'm never going to get to see. Yeah. <laughs> and when are they going to air the finale? And I understood their reasons, but I still was like, this is a, a sci-fi show. Mm -hmm. Like... What? Why? Why can't we watch the graduation episode? It's very important. <laughs> I it was, and they aired it later that summer. But it was like a big deal. They because it was something that happened. The episode they didn't air was had to do with a school shooter. So yeah. I got that. That was yeah. weirdly timed. But I it was got like a, their it was that week too, or within it was a week that or two, week. right? Yeah, like that's crazy. yeah, that's so no, crazy. like the same week that Columbine happened. Yeah. So it was like I get it. I hope I get to see it someday selfishly, but I understand why the WB decided they weren't going to air this out of sensitivity. Because back mm. then, we actually cared when school shootings happened. Yeah. <sighs> Similar-ishnessly, um, I remember when 24, the first season, it might have been the first one or first or second episode of 24, was within a week or two of 9-11. And oh, was I think it? That there was some, I think that there was, it might have, I think it was season one or season two, but they, there was some controversy about airing, I think, the pilot or something. I don't know if oh, they wow. delayed it or not, but because there was like a terrorist attack or something. And, I know Band of and, Brothers started the week of 9-11, and I remember thinking, this is good timing? Like, <laughs> it, it like felt like... I was already excited about it, but it felt like, okay, so here I get to watch these people who did the right thing mm -hmm. when, you know, the world was under attack. And I was so, you know, distraught and vulnerable and all the things that we were feeling after 9-11. So it was, like, nice to watch people doing what was right, especially, you know, looking back on it now that we definitely didn't. <laughs> didn't do what was right but at the time i didn't know that it just everybody felt so patriotic you know and it yeah. felt like this is a very patriotic show but in the right ways anyway battlestar galactica also yeah. having shades of 9-11 hanging over it <laughs> yeah i mean that's part of why it resonated so well they even 
with the uh, torture scenes uh, that they talk about in this episode was, you know, hearkening back to the, the whole torture debate um, yeah. during the Iraq war. Good stuff. All right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so we had a six month break between uh, Pe- Pegasus episode and this episode, <laughs> like mm-hmm. pure torture. So- so there's something weird where yeah. they they say that now the timeline there's timeline discontinuity now mm-hmm. because for the viewers it's been six there's been a six month break but mm-hmm. this episode picks up exactly where the last one takes yeah. like left off yeah exactly and and yet at some point um, Admiral Kane says what have you guys is this what you guys have been doing for the last yeah. six months yeah. Um, but the actual timeline of since the fall of the 12 colonies is estimated to be about three months. Hmm. And so it kind of messes up the continuity. And what it says on Wikipedia is that all the episodes in season 2.5 have just jumped ahead in the timeline and stayed consistent with what they're saying, even though there's a, there's three months there that now are mm-hmm. like kind of just assumed to have happened that didn't hmm. happen, you know? Because downloaded is supposed to be nine months after the Cylon attack. Hmm. And apparently that takes place three months after this episode. But this episode isn't actually six months after the attack of the colonies. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely picked up on that line because that's like that was like the one rare confirmation of like timeline in the show. But I yeah, I guess it's correct. It's only been a few months since the attack. Uh, the initial attack, but yeah, um, I don't know. I feel like it still works. I, I mean, I never noticed. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's always it's always watching the show. It's hard to follow. Just like you don't know how long it's been from one episode to the next. Like could it, it could have been weeks? Is it often it's just a day, and it's not really clear. But anyway, so yeah, it's been six months. Real time <laughs> since uh, the uh, to be continued titles came up on in the Galactica with uh, the Galactica's uh, I think they're Mark II Vipers going up against the Pegasus I think they're Mark Seven Vipers very intense so we pick up right there um, they're kind of poised for a standoff um, kind of notice that a cat is leading the charge i guess she's you know she's yeah it's sort of like the uh prelude to her position in some some episodes down the road especially when we see scar but she's kind of stepping forward into the uh in the spotlight in terms of being a pilot so while that's uh while those two squadrons are having their head off we zap out to Starbuck on her mission and she's in the Blackbird um, and she comes up on the, uh, the, the the two base stars and then we see this like the mysterious ship that's uh, that they're going on the mission for she goes like on silent running and uh, kind of she turns off her <laughs> the helmet light I was wondering what what does that do <laughs> like are they not going to see her like I- I guess it just makes her more incognito because she shuts off all the lights on the inside of the cockpit, too. Yeah. Well, I noticed she did, but then this is not. 
So she, I notice that, like, yeah. So she turns off all the power, but then she's still able to like guide the ship with like I, there's little like fire coming out of like the nose and stuff to guide it a little bit here and there. So I just I don't know how that works, but anyway, she goes through like she goes through like a silent running and quietly goes through the middle of the resurrection ship and she starts to take pictures. Um, and then when she gets through on the other side, she jumps. Then we pop back into the fleet and everything's going crazy. Vipers are spinning and darting around. Cats all flustered. Uh, Narcho's kind of like, it, it, it appears like the Pegasus squadron definitely has the upper, upper hand kind of in the situation. I was getting a little mm-hmm. feeling of like a, like a cat toying with mice. They they seem just to be just more in control of the situation. Um, they have so, better vipers. Yeah, better vipers. But I also feel like they have not, not maybe not more experience, but that whole mindset that they were talking about in the previous episode, right? Like more disciplined. Mark, yeah, mark your kills and that kind of stuff. Um, so Galactica obviously is able to get the job done, but it's uh, ob- like very unconventionally they end up getting ahead often so uh while that's all going on um there's a call from pegasus to the raptor that uh the stinger is piloting with uh, apollo in the uh, co-pilot seat and they get uh, a command to relieve uh, adama of duty and almost immediately, Stinger pulls out a gun and aims it at Apollo. <laughs> like the expression on Apollo's face makes me laugh every time I see it. He's just so like, oh, God, what just happened? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then uh, right after that, uh, Apollo requests permission to proceed to the aft of the ship. Um, and he gets uh, okay to do that. And he goes back and he starts typing on his little little keyboard it's a message to starbuck and he's like just hoping she's out there somewhere and everybody see i see we see like adama and ty and fisk and kane and every i notice how they all are like sort of like deadly serious and not really talking um i liked how they didn't fill it with like superfluous dialogue or anything it just kind of to me it kind of conveyed the sense that things are a little bit more they actually are serious and they don't really know how to navigate this situation terribly so starbuck jumps back into the fleet um and from a distance she immediately witnesses the chaos that's going on so she sees all the ships flying around it's actually really kind of like beautiful in a way like there's a crazy chaotic swarm dance of all the vipers like spinning around and like you know in their little controlled chaos that they how they fly um and then um on a secure channel on a secure channel she discovers a message from apollo that he had been sending um like is she out there and she responds uh typing um and she speaks out loud which is always kind of awkward to me um, she's like, what the hell is going on? Um, mm-hmm. so then the, on Galactica first, we see on Dratus, Gata sees that, uh, there's a new contact detected and same thing on Pegasus. They immediately assume it is a Cylon Raider. 
like and then almost immediately <laughs> all of the ships that are the squadrons that are fighting each other or dog fighting or dodging each other all kind of like convene and then they zip in formation to go head out and stop this uh unknown contact who they assume is a Cylon raider as they're approaching Starbuck she clicks on her light again i guess they can see her now <laughs> and uh she identifies herself she says uh starbuck doll vipers do not fire repeat do not fire i am friendly okay we're all friendlies so let's just be friendly yeah and all the tension's gone everything's over um cat cat then confirms to, uh, back to the back to cic that it, it is uh starbuck um, this actually kind of leads to there's so, Ty says something here that I have like over the decades I I say sometimes just in random, random things happen and I actually forgot where he said it and why he said it it's just something I remember to say all the time but uh, first he says uh, you know how the hell did the blackbird get there and then Gata says uh, Starbuck took the blackbird out she said she was doing tests for Kane. And Ty responds, another one of her crazy stunts. And then there's like a pause. And then he says, thank the guts. I say that thank the gods the way he says it, like all the time. But I could, I, until I was watching this episode, I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's where I heard that. <laughs> uh, so Yeah, he appreciates it now. Yeah, he usually yeah. wants to throw her in the brig for these things. <laughs> right? Yeah, the, that the juxtaposition of both of those, you know, statements. Like, oh, it's another one of her crazy stunts. Thank the gods. Um, <laughs> uh, so then Adama gets on the line to Pegasus uh, to Admiral Kane, and he offers a choice to stand down, or they can resume firing. Then almost immediately, there's a, a, a fist kind of like gives uh, Kane some contact. She says that there's images coming in. So she gets completely enthralled with what she's seeing. So there's Im the images that Starbuck had been taking of the resurrection ship. They're kind of like zooming in more and more and more. And then she gets back on the line with the Dama. She wants him to report um, to her and then another Adama line that I say often, it has no meaning, but it just love the way he says it. I have no intention of cooling my heels in your brig. Yeah. And, <laughs> so, she's just like, fine. Yeah, fine. She literally says fine. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, she agrees. She's like, let's meet on neutral ground. So they are going to meet on Colonial One. Um and then hangs up and it zooms more and more and more into that resurrection ship. And then you get that final shot, which is my personal dream, a ship full of sixes. Is it your personal dream? Not really, but I wouldn't mind it. <laughs> Especially after a couple of shots when she's on the bed a little bit later in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, we 
come back from our commercial break after this and then we are on we're on colonial one we have like it's a very tense meeting um admiral kane commander adama and president Rosalind, just the three of them in the room Rosalind's being like very diplomatic kind of like you know kind of like in teacher mode a little bit, which I hesitate to say that because, you know, I'm I'm mm-hmm. not trying to say she's just a teacher because she was a secretary of education, but it's the tone that she is speaking to both of them. Um, yeah. Like, or like a principal, like they, you know, you, you, you all messed up. We all messed up. It's all our failures, you know? And then Kane's like, I, whatever, let's cut to the chase. So she basically like asserts her authority. She says she's done nothing wrong. Um, she as um, her actions are um, like legal. The penalty for what Tyrrell and Hilo did would have been death. So she just was skipping to to her the good part, I guess. Um, right. Rosalind Rosalind argues <laughs> that she says the spirit of the law necessary. Uh, necessities uh, necessitates more than just summary executions. I'm sure. I I love Admiral Cade like so much. She stops and pauses, and she's like, "Is this what the two of you've been doing for the past six months?" <laughs> and yeah, debating the finer points of colonial law. Well, yeah. guess what? We're at war, and we don't yeah. have the luxury of academic debate. So, I want to I want to inject in here. Yeah, go ahead, Admiral Kane like talks about how she didn't have a choice or well actually this kind of this thought actually comes from something that Ron Moore and Michelle Forbes said that mm-hmm. Admiral Kane didn't have a choice out there like she, she was all her she and her ship they were all alone out there they had to make hard choices and mm-hmm. I uh disagree the Pegasus I do, I do too is a better ship it's a newer ship it's got better weapons, better vipers, better technology was not being basically dry docked and turned into a museum. She had 15 civilian ships. The Galactica is out here protecting 47,000 people on multiple ships with a jankier Battlestar, an older Battlestar. And she's saying, and like the actor and Ron Moore saying, she had to make hard choices because she was alone out there. They were in the exact same situation. And in Mm -hmm. fact, the Battlestar had it worse because the Cylons were chasing them. Mm -hmm. The Cylons were not chasing the Pegasus. The Pegasus was following the Cylons. Mm -hmm. But she still, as we will learn in this episode, stripped all of these ships of parts of equipment and of personnel and then left everybody else to die. And somehow she's going to sit here and say, this is what you guys have been doing. Protecting people. Gross. Like that's basically what she's saying. You've just been protecting a bunch of useless weaklings that we should have left to the Cylons because we need to shoot the Cylons ourselves. Like it's, mm-hmm. I can't, I I'm, hate her. <laughs> the, the fact it's interesting that you like, you wanted to like expound upon that because that's literally, I actually, in my notes, I broke out a whole section where, cause I, like the, I started writing my thoughts on the philosophy of like Battlestar Galactica and like 
the difference between the Galactica and the Pegasus, um, which they, you know, they touch on in some obvious ways here, but like on a basic fundamental level, it's sort of like, not, not that Adama would have done what Kane did from the start. Cause he's sort of like, and he's fundamentally a different person, but when everything went down, he did want to like go to war. Right. Like at that, in that first, in the miniseries, that's the first thing mm-hmm. he says, we are at war. Right. And it's through the, the events of the miniseries. He like, it sort of like shows him that he can't be like, it's not about the battle anymore. It's like, we have to change modes. And he only, he only changes because he has Rosalind there to temper all of these other, you know, other yeah. things. And then it still took more months, obviously, of back and forth and, you know, martial law and all that other stuff to get them to this point where we're at, where they, like, even Rosalind and him have this understanding now. Right. They weren't necessarily, like, aligned 100%, but he understood. By the end of the miniseries, he understood. This is all right. that's left of humanity and we need to protect it. Where Cain right. didn't even consider that they that might be what's left of humanity. Right. And that what I'm saying is like he it's it's sort of like showing in my in my view it's sort of showing like a poss- possibility of what Galactus Galactic Galactus <laughs> the Galactica could have been if not for the this other responsibility in particular with Rosalind kind of there to kind of like temper everything and get him on board not and again not that not that adama would have been like as hardcore as kane was but i think that he would have been more if you know if the fleet hadn't have been there to the capacity that it was he might have made different choices um but also it's it's just sort of like it's to it's to highlight the differences between the two approaches and so the very very beginning of um the miniseries when they're in the the adama's making that speech about you know humanity do we have the choice uh what was it we had do we have uh, the the right to continue that kind of stuff um mm-hmm. that question kind of gets answered and i think this the pegasus is showing us the ugly side where they're sort of, it's sort of proving that they don't, don't necessarily have the right to, to continue as a species highlighted again, just by the actions of, well, I mean, we, we get into it a little bit later, but with the, uh, you know, how they treat, uh, Gina, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, she did some bad things granted, but then they take it to a whole other realm to punish her. And that is a reflection on, like, your humanity, right? Right. There's a deleted scene, actually, that kind of touches on this a little bit uh, between <laughs> between Lee and uh, D of all people. Yeah, I watched yeah. that. Yeah, and I, I, did, I thought it was interesting that they, you know, because it, it kind of touched on that idea a little bit because he's just kind of like, he's questioning how different Galactica and the Pegasus really are. I don't know. It's like it's she doesn't give us any reason to be on her side. I mean, yeah, she she doesn't. But I I think like from a story perspective, I think I mean, obviously, 
that's why they went so dark in the previous episode to give us like as an audience like a reason to and then in this episode when they talk about the action she took um and then ron moore in the director's commentary talked about that i think he said he got had gotten notes from the studio because they were asking like why was why was kane like why like why should we not side with kane and they hadn't added some of that stuff in. And so they added it in there because it was like, oh, yeah, it's fair. Fair point. She actually needs to show us, like, reasons why she doesn't deserve to be in this position or listen to. Like, once they add that stuff, she doesn't give us any reason to. But I don't think we're supposed to. Like, we're supposed to, we're supposed to not like her just when she shows up. Just by showing up. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, well, yes. But... Yeah. Usually, or I guess now, if because Ron Moore really feels like we did not write her to be like an out and out villain, mm -hmm. how you feel about that may vary depending on like I mean, I kind of see her as a villain. If it were now, there'd be a little, there'd be some more shades of gray, and I think that maybe then when we get to Razor, there'll be a little bit of that because we learn a little bit more about her relationship with Gina, but. She's there's no gray here, you know, like mm -hmm. we're not we're not given anything to make us even remotely be on her side, mm -hmm. even for a second, even if it even if we then change our minds, like there's no point between last episode and when we hear what she what she did to her civilian fleet. There's no point in there where we're like, Oh, I I understand her a little bit more. That here's this thing that she's revealing to Starbuck mm -hmm. that makes me sympathize with her. There's none of that. I think it's just. I mean, a lot of it is her demeanor, right? Like some of it. I I might be so I might be uh, I might not be as um, objective because I love her as Ensign Rowe on the next Star Trek, the next generation. <laughs> so I have a fondness for that character and the actress from that. So, but, it, it, but just the Admiral Kane, uh, like I definitely don't like her. And, you know, I remember, I remember when I first watched the, these episodes, like all the way up until the speech that Starbuck gives at the very end, um, made me think of her as like, you know, evil until Starbuck, puts a certain spin on it that made me think like, Oh yeah, I guess, I guess there's a, a, a space for all different types of uh, approaches to things. Um, not, she doesn't say it like in a good light, but she kind of like kind of stops us from like completely thinking that Kane doesn't have any reason to do anything at all. I don't know. Is that, I mean, again, I think the whole, the whole point of all of this, I think was just to show, you know, this is like, this is the bizarro Galactica, right? <laughs> and, uh, this is, this is the mirror universe Galactica, you know? Um, and then, and we have everything except for, uh, characters with goatees. Um, <laughs> But they, you know, they even, you know, like they even have their own Cylon and, you know, they have their, their yeah. own like darker versions or twisted versions of their, of their characters. And so by default, they have to, they have to be the bad people. I don't know. I don't know. It also would have been interesting to 
to do what what eventually happens, which is fold these people into the fleet. Mm-hmm. And I guess there's not a necessarily a way to do that from the start without the, unless it turned out that Adamo had a higher command, then it would have been well we're turning you into like us. You're going to follow our philosophy right from the start because he has um, authority. Right. Um, so it, I mean, it is interesting, and I'm not I'm not complaining. I'm just saying I don't I don't have I don't I'm at no point on her side. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't like her. <laughs> I just don't like her. I, I don't mean, like the way she talks to uh, anyone from the Galactica. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, we've gone over this a billion times, but it's a little bit, a little bit for me because I don't like her either. But there's that part of me that loves it when, like, a person, a character like her, comes into a show and is like yelling at people. <laughs> And it's like I like I love her responses. I like the I love the way she delivers lines, but not like not in a like ooh, that was that was uh that makes me feel warm inside. It's just more of like uh, she has that edge, and it yeah. kind of sets it sets it sets the uh, like all of the conflict um, ahead. And I think that's the parts that I enjoy. She's definitely not Lloyd Bridges from the original. That is for sure. He so another interesting, different. another interesting thing that I learned was that uh, Michelle Forbes did not did not know that there was an Admiral Kane character in the original mm-hmm. Battlestar Galactica. She didn't know there was a Pegasus or any of that. She found out about four days into shooting that mm-hmm. there had been a character, not Admiral Kane, but Kane, and that it was played by Lloyd Bridges. And she was like, "I didn't know I was playing a version of Lloyd Bridges." <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad she didn't try to, like, yeah, I'm glad she went in fresh because that's <laughs> having her even, like, try to emulate his character wouldn't have been, I don't know, it wouldn't have been as, as good portrayal. Uh, Kane is, like, you know, kind of, like, annoyed by that whole, uh, by that discussion about the summary execution and what have you been doing for six months. Um, she, you know, states we're at war. Um, and then Rosalind kind of concedes to Kane that the, you know, she's like the, okay, let's, let's be frank. The Pegasus would likely emerge victorious in a direct confrontation between Pegasus and Galactica, which Commander Dama gruff said, you know, I begged to differ or whatever he says. And then Rosalind uh, proceeds and offers kind of like a middle ground. She said she suggests uh, that the battle between the two, the battle, like if there is a battle between the two battle stars, it would result in significant damage um, to both sides. Um, and then, so she says that um, she leaves them with at leaves them with two viable options. One is to fight and suffer heavy losses, or seek a compromise. Um. <laughs> and then, I'm sure you did not like this line. <laughs> and then Kane is like, "How the two of you survived this long, I'll never know." <laughs> yeah. And, um, which I love that line, but um, so Kane agrees to suspend the execution. Um, uh, Dama still wants to get Tyrrell and um, Hilo back, and you know, 
Kane's like, she doesn't, what does she say? I don't care what you want. I don't give a hell. You're lucky you're not in the brig or whatever. Um, then Rosal- something about you're lucky I'm not serving you your warrant. Yeah, your warrant. Yeah. Um, then <laughs> Rosalind kind of after like a brief pause, like there's very like there's a lot of acting that takes place where they're not saying anything and it's hard mm-hmm. to like to convey, but she like kind of lets everything kind of like go still a little bit and then she interjects and says that the destruction of the Cylon fleet must take precedence over all co- other considerations. Um, and then she says, like, after the mission, we will return back to this issue of the internal disputes that they're having with Tyrol and the executions and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then she sort of, like, dismisses her by saying thank you. And then Kane gets up and leaves. And there's a kind of cool shot um, of Adama just sitting there. He doesn't move. And then... Rosalind kind of gets up and kind of stands over him. There's a there's something that they brought up in the last episode that I um, kind of noticed here as well, and they talk about Eddie Olmos's, um acting, <laughs> and they said that he, if you notice, they said even if you go back in his earlier work, even back to like if you go back to like Miami Vice, they say if you notice he doesn't look at look in the eye of characters he doesn't respect like the the character doesn't so Hmm. they were like if you go back and look at um season one there's a lot of times he doesn't look at um rosalind and it's not till later that he starts to look at her in the eye and there are quite a few scenes where he doesn't look at kane in the eye in this episode and there's like some key points where he does when she's a lot of times when it's like she's making a threat or he's like kind of assessing something i just noted i bring that up here because that entire sequence he wasn't looking at her at all and even as she leaves the room he's still in the way that shot he's still kind of sitting there in the chair looking straight ahead that's an interesting observation i didn't notice but now that i think about it yeah yeah it was the uh it was david ike that that brought it up so he He's the one that kind of went into it. So something to mm-hmm. look at. Uh, um, well, now I'll know. Or... Yeah. Now I'll know yeah. from from this point on, if Adama's not looking at somebody, it's because he doesn't respect them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because it, 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 I mean, it informed a lot because, I mean, you know, when I watch his performances, Adama, like over the years, it's, it's very, like to me, it was sort of like unconventional because, you know, I, we talked about it here where he seems a lot like he is almost like this repressed energy or something that he has. Like he's always containing his energy and he's not like, there's a lot of deep size and that kind of stuff. And it could seem that he's not, I don't know. I don't even know what the word is. I don't want to, I don't want to say phoning it in cause that's not what it is, but there's like, there's just a kind of a sense of like, He's not being as engaging as he could be in some scenes, but then it's like, no, like he's actually doing way more. He's actually thinking about it way more than like the average actor I think would. And so those little touches actually add to like the profile of who he is. There's this person I know that uh, he and I are in the same like development program and everything he does is big and showy and I call him a cheerleader and like it's all like notice what I'm doing pay attention Mm -hmm. 
where I am like, I just do things and I'm hopefully being effective with the things that I'm doing to try to help people in my district and whatever, try to improve, you know, metrics at other stores and things. Like I'm, I'm doing all this stuff and I'm not like putting it in our group chat, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just doing it. And it, that's sort of the same thing in a way where like his form of acting as this character is not slamming things and fireworks and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to say overacting, but like big acting. Mm-hmm. It's very subtle acting. Yeah. It's like living in a character and understanding like this guy wouldn't be, you know, I don't know, throwing things across his office or whatever to make a point. Yeah. Raising his voice to, you know, exert his authority because he's being loud. Yeah. He's he's doing everything sort of it's he's quiet. Mhm. And that speaks volumes because I don't know, maybe you pay attention to the people who are doing things but not demanding the attention for it. I mean, I hope because that's what I do. But I I just thought of that sort of comparison like, you know, cuz there's a lot of actors that would have come into this role and been very big in their actions Mm -hmm. so it's interesting that he went the other route he that maybe i don't know if if adama was written that way or if edward james almost was like this is how i see him i mean i get the sense that he has a lot to say (laughs) he had a lot to Mm. say with how like adama would be and do and say (laughs) react to things (laughs) Yeah, it's it's funny that you say that. You know, again, go back to if you ever watched those Pegasus episodes. Like Lord Bridges comes in like like at an eleven, <laughs> <laughs> like he is he is hamming it up, and he's got like I think he has like a little walk, like a little walking stick thingy that he not like you know like like a Patton General Patton had you know where he always kind of like had that little baton he carried around i think kane has one of those and even his even his outfit's a little like a little bit flashier than um even though it's like a uniform and he's mm-hmm. just like he's coming in he's like i'm lloyd bridges like i've only seen lloyd bridges act on that level in airplane or airplane <laughs> two or whatever which one everyone is uh, <laughs> anyway <laughs> But yeah, like it's. But just, you know, uh, Rosalind like Mary McDonnell is is the is that's one of the things that I've always loved about her as mm-hmm. an actress, um, because I I was a big fan of her mainly because of her performance Donnie Darko. Because mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of uh, Dances with Wolves. She's great mm-hmm. in it, but I I can't stand that movie. Um, but in Donnie Darko, she does these things, and it's this form of acting that I always said it was like naturalistic mm-hmm. acting um holly hunter's really good at it too where the characters they, that they play feel like real people they've got mannerisms that aren't an extension of that person's mannerisms like uh-huh. tom cruise does things and it's tom cruise and it's tom cruise and every no matter what character he plays is these tom cruise things that he does you know where mary mcdonald 
does these little subtle things. It might be a hand movement or like when she decides to take off her glasses or just like a glance that she makes. Like she's a very still actor mm-hmm. and she, but she gives so much with just little tiny things. And I always just found that so fascinating. Like if you ever think about it, go back and watch Donnie Darko and just watch her in any scene that she's in. She's just always doing like these little things that are so. I don't so... want to watch Darnie Darko. I don't like that movie. How are we friends? <laughs> I mean, we don't like a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> we, we don't like a lot of the same things. <laughs> Donnie Darko is one of my all time favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> well, go just go watch her scenes then. You can I don't, skip all the Jake stuff. I don't not. I don't I don't think it's a bad movie. It's just one of it's it's one of those movies that got hyped up to me and people were, and so when I watched oh. it I was like I was like, Oh, it's fine, whatever. Like kinda weird, but it's a very um, weird movie. I I love it though. But I part of what I love it is because I think the performances in it are really interesting. Mm-hmm. and hers that was honestly like i didn't realize that i knew her from anything before that mm. because of her performance in that movie i was like wait who's mary mary mcdonald and then i realized like oh she's in independence day <laughs> like she's in she's in things i've seen but i never really yeah i never really yeah, I mean, paid attention yeah i mean I, I would say up until I mean, for me, up until Battlestar, she was more of like a character actor to me. I think she. You know? I think she still is. Yeah, but um, she and she's so good in these scenes in this episode. Even like, and her character goes in a lot of places in this episode. She starts out okay at the beginning, and then she's sick. Yeah, but we, everything she does is so good. Like she's just she's phenomenal. You reminded me like we're because we're having this like we're having this Edward James almost uh, Mary McDonald love fest right now <laughs> and yeah. acting love fest and you reminded me actually that like there's just that scene that you just kind of brought up later um, when the two of them are talking and uh, in the director's commentary Ron Moore basically does the same thing that we're doing now <laughs> he just talks about like that's probably one of his favorite scenes of that season. He's uh, he he says he's so grateful to just to have them there, like those two actors. I mean, like you yeah. think about it, like they anchored that entire show, and without either of them, I don't know that like it would have. I mean, still most of the show's great, but there's just something about kind of like um, there's something about how the Pegasus, the person in control of the Pegasus, kind of like sets the tone mm-hmm. and. Um, or versus, or the how the how the Galactica would set the tone, and like in this case, you have Adama and Rosalind characters at the top with the actors portraying them, and that kind of like sets the tone for everything else. And I've heard and read stuff about you know them on sets and how mm-hmm. they you know guide other actors and coach them up and stuff because a lot of those actors had, didn't have a lot of experience when they first. Most of them the didn't. Show. Yeah. So it's like, but having those two there, like yeah. really like elevated everybody's game and kind of made like something great. So, yeah, I mean, uh, every actor that I've heard 
talk about working on this show has said something to that extent about each of them. Yeah. And, but I also think if you didn't have Edward James Olmos and Mary McDonnell sort of being those anchors, this mm -hmm. would not have gone to series. It would have just mm. been a mini series and that's it. Mm -hmm. it. These two actors are so captivating and everybody around them is so good too, but these were the names they yeah. had established themselves and the, and what they're doing on this show gives it like weight and makes it reality instead of some space fantasy, mm -hmm. you know, they, they give a gravity to it and into their performances. They're just, they're both incredible. I mean, I really feel like everybody on the show is really good, but those two, like, it's just a different level. I mean, he's, they're both Oscar nominees. There's a reason for that. I can't believe you want me to watch Donnie Darko after what Jake Gyllenhaal did to Tay. Tay, Tay. Look, I still love that movie. And I still think that Jake Gyllenhaal is really hot. I can't, I can't. The heart wants what it wants. Apparently, really she wants Donnie a lot Darko. of bad things. And we're not going to get into the whole Maddie Healy controversy. She, I, look, she doesn't have the best taste. But whatever i don't care what she does in her personal life as long as it leads to good songs i don't <laughs> do know what you I need to do i know all of this stuff i don't even listen to her <laughs> <laughs> but seriously donnie darko great movie <laughs> <laughs> i quote it all the time <laughs> it's fine anyway um so then we get to this next scene that i think is um it's Kane being an absolute hypocrite because she she had a whole lot to say about the insubordination of <laughs> the staff of the Galactica. Yeah. And then here comes Starbuck, who went off and did her own thing, broke the rules. And she's like, wow, you've had quite a day. I'm promoting you to captain. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yes, you're you're correct. Uh, I think my take on it was more of like she saw maybe like a potential younger version of her because I I think my, that too. Yeah, I think that like that was sort of like Kane's mo was like how she because like she rose uh, she. I can't remember if it was in the extended edition or not, but they, you know, they talk about how quickly she rose up in the ranks and they even talk about just like in casting her versus a much older actress um, to show that she was like this kind of like, you know, um, ma she had, she had that maverick gene in her somewhere. Hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of what, and you know, like it's, it's self-serving also like she, this thing that happened, she, she definitely like she talks about it when she doesn't uh <laughs> she doesn't uh uh she doesn't put bring up apollo on charges right like she's like i, I couldn't i couldn't bring him up on charges and not you so i just revoked his flight status so yeah right. she's absolutely being a hypocrite but it's like kind the of thing like is if i if i liked her um what she's doing here in in a way is something that i think that needs to be shown more on television and in movies and also happen more in life, which is women supporting women and, and raising them up with you. Like mm -hmm. if, if you're, it's hard 
to rise up the ranks in anything. It doesn't matter, military especially, but in any industry in the world. If you're a woman, it's really difficult to get anywhere close to where men can get, right? So when women do it, I personally think it's important to bring women along with you because the only way we're going to be able to reach those statuses is to help each other along. So what she's doing here to the feminist in me is like, yes, because Starbucks should be promoted for breaking the rules and doing something crazy that's going to help you out. It, she went about it the wrong way for the right reasons and got the right result. And sometimes you need to reward that because like Kane says, I need a CAG with guts and initiative. Yes, you do. And I'm glad it's Starbucks. I just don't like her and I don't trust <laughs> her. So I feel like the closer, if, if this didn't, if this went on longer than the just two episodes, I would, and I initially was a little bit nervous watching this. Like, what does this mean for Starbucks? Yeah. Like, is she going to get caught in the crossfire of, you know, what Kane is doing? Or is she going to, is Starbucks suddenly going to become loyal to this person who's a bad person? Mm -hmm. All those things could happen. And, you know, you don't want Starbucks to be in with the bad people. But I appreciated that Kane saw something in her and was enough of a hypocrite to say, well, that was ballsy. So <laughs> I'd rather have you leading my air group because you have guts and you are creative and I need people like that. But it, And it helps that she's also a woman because I think that that is a factor for Kane. Whether she's saying it or not, I think it is. She's got a ship with almost entirely men. Yeah. Yeah, they talk about that in the uh... – just the way the Pegasus runs with their tox toxicity, all that, yeah. you know. Um, but I guess in Razor, they actually have, they actually show more, <laughs> more women on set. I don't know. You know, it's a production thing, but um, yeah, I think it's, it's funny for me with like Starbuck. Cause I mean, I think the, the point of the whole character is that she is in, like, she is the best pilot, but she is not fit to, lead anybody so i personally think it's it, it's like you're putting your you're putting your squadron or whatever at more at risk by putting her in charge and it is the same thing for starbuck in the original like he he was the you know the hot shot the best pilot but you don't ever want starbuck actually like le the lead leader of the squadron he's he was always better as like the second in command right didn't He's we learn that, that from from top gun maverick <laughs> <laughs> kind of right did, that's did we that's yeah. essentially like maverick kept getting booted out of things because he yeah. he's too much of a maverick yeah he's yeah doing like his own you... thing and he's not a good leader necessarily and he yeah proves in that movie that he could be right and, and so yeah really you good, want a character what'd you say the movie's really good, by the way. A uh, Maverick? Oh yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Though it's like, yeah, you want so you want someone like there to like have options or like because sometimes you need to 
to step across the line. So you want that character that can do that, but you don't want to be stepping across the line all the time, which is what that character would do. Right. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's a little, but I, again, I think that like, um, Kane just sees a lot of herself in, um, like even they, you know, they talk about it when, how she escaped, right? Like she did a blind jump and she, mm-hmm. you know, is like doing all this stuff that was unconventional, but she just was like, yeah, well, this is what I do, you know? Um, if there was ever a moment in these episodes where I could like Kane, it's in this scene when she brings up how Starbuck wants to return to Caprica mm-hmm. to to rescue the people who are still there. Yeah. But I think she has ulterior motives. She's trying to get Starbuck to be loyal to her. And she's seen the logs, so she knows that this is something Starbuck's been asking for and has been denied over and over again. So here's a way to get Starbuck on my side to be loyal to me. I'm going to say, yes, after this mission, we're going to go back to Caprica and we're going to save those people. Uh, I don't, I mean, I took it as genuine, but I, I can see that side too. It just, I see it as genuine because it makes it more interesting for me <laughs> because it's like, like, it, like, why wouldn't you want to rescue those people? <laughs> you know? I mean, why why would she want to rescue them? She's if the, well, she, based on what she's done to her own civilian fleet, I really feel like if Kane were to stay in charge, she would eventually get rid of this civilian fleet as well. Oh yeah, I'm not yeah, I'm not saying that she wouldn't, but like her whole thing is like she's still at war, so she would like she would want to defeat the Cylons, even though she brought night by herself couldn't, but she doesn't. Yeah, I mean, she does say she wants to return to the twelve colonies and kick the Cylons out of our homes. Yeah, so that I think that that I don't necessarily think that that is her just trying to manipulate Starbuck. And also, again, there's like the context isn't there because they cut it out. But again, in the previous episode, they open with um, her with Starbuck trying to convince them to go back, and they say no. So I think that so their intention. It would have been good if they'd left that in just so that we could see this, the juxtaposition here. Yeah, absolutely. Like it would have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like apparently George Lucas one time said about Star Wars that it's like poetry, it rhymes, <laughs> which is the maybe the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I think what he means is that it's cyclical and or they're, you know, kind of what Battlestar does, everything has happened before and it'll happen again. It's that but it's that sort of mirror thing. Like it happened here, she's disappointed, and then she comes to this this leader who says, Yeah, no, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. I think you know, again, I they that was their intention and I think a lot of, you know, it 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 just because of production they had to cut it. And yeah. They talk about that in this episode because originally I think this episode was supposed to be one part and they just it was it, yeah but they think he said it was like twenty minutes over and then they <sighs> added oh went back and added more scenes to make it a whole new episode so I have the most upsetting piece of trivia about that oh okay <laughs> they originally episode eighteen of this season was going to be a goddamn clip show. Oh. A clip show 
which would have ruined shows. Yeah, would have ruined. The only place the clip show is fine is on a sitcom, and they don't even mm-hmm. do them anymore because it's dumb. It's a yeah. money saving thing. Whatever. They were going to episode 18 was slated to be a clip show. And I don't even know how that would have worked. But when they had about 20 minutes too long of this episode. So if they were to cut 20 minutes off of it, Ron Moore said it would have removed so much of the plot. So they decided to turn it into two episodes and scrap the clip show because now they had this extra episode to work on. Ooh, thank thank the, God. Thank the gods. Yeah. <laughs> that's the Which I say. Actually, I say that. is like what I wrote in my notes. Thank the gods. <laughs> wow. That's so amazing that they would even thought a clip show because they write on such a high level. And like, yeah, right? I mean, even as a kid, even as a little kid, like watching Happy Days and whatever shows, whenever they would do the clip shows, I'd be like, oh, God, I hate this. And I would turn it off or whatever. Yeah. They, they, they were just so like, I was like, we. We've done this before. They were such a waste of time. And that was my, that was before I was a, cr- a critical a hole, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Like, I rewatch Friends all the time, and there's a clip show in almost every season after like season five. Mm-hmm. And I know it was, it's just so that they could get their 22 or 24 episode, uh, whatever, mm-hmm. promise. This is how many contracted they have to do. But, like, let's give the cast a week off. So we'll do a clip show. Yeah. Or the the cast will come in for, like, just those little bits in between where, you know, they probably worked for half a day. And, and, and now, I'm like, it's fine. It was dumb. Like, because I I just saw this episode that they're referencing, like, yesterday. So they're skippable. They're just, they don't add anything really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I just, I just don't know how it would have worked here. And let me look it up really quick. Ron Moore had a reason, like what they were going, like what the intention of it was going to be. The decision not only enabled the show to fully explore the dramatic possibilities of the story, but also meant the producers could shelve their plans for a money saving clip show. We originally were going to do a clip show that, in a neat way, used clips from the show to explore the nature of war and conflict. You want to know what's funny? This is a drama. We don't need this. I mean, I basically think of uh, the plan as a clip show. (laughs) Kind of, because they do use clips from the original series. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? That d- doesn't work. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad they learned that lesson after it was all said and done. Then, uh-huh. in the middle of season two, yeah. Because can you imagine? Like, first of all, it it brings the momentum of the show to like a screeching halt. Yeah, it takes the audience completely out of the story that they're telling. And on a show like this, it would have been just so jarring that I feel like it would have maybe lost a portion of the audience would have been like, I don't trust this show anymore Mm -hmm. because they did this. I mean, they they almost lost me with (laughs) black market. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm laughing, but if I'm like, you know, 50% serious thing, they didn't lose me, but I was like, what the, you know? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, so that's 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 probably the most disturbing bit of trivia I have learned since starting to dig deep into this show. <laughs> wow. I never never in my life have I ever So then we get to the the next scene is another one of my favorites in this episode because Rosalind <laughs> Rosalind's just like, All right, well, you're gonna have to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> uh it's it's so yeah so yeah it's kind of the set it up the, the Adama and Rosalind are like they're kind of kicking back together um, talking and then she says that um, and it's often great to see her take those tacks sometimes mm-hmm. the like the ruthlessness that she can have. I don't even know if it's ruthless as there's it's I think it's more rooted in like pragmatism, I think, than but then the ruthlessness kind of would enforce those decisions. Yeah. Um, but also very, like she's seeing the whole picture because she's not right. she's not like she's not looking at it through the lens of this is a superior officer and I'm a military person who's been trained and it's been drilled into my head since boot camp chain of command blah 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 she sees the whole picture and is like yeah she's dangerous and she will come for you right because Rosalind's looking at her at it with a human nature lens i think whenever Rosalind does things like this i, I like don't quote me but i think she's always right also usually yeah like she's just kind of she's just like I mean, it's kind of, it feels like this unconventional thing, but it's like, no, you need to not, you need to not do that, (laughs) you know, or you need to do this. Um, And yeah, it's like she, yeah. Um, So she, um, yeah, she basically argues that Kane will never stop being a threat and she'll just wait patiently for the right opportunity to take out Adama and Galactica so their only viable course of action, she says, in her view, is for Adama to, you know, to to take action first and get rid of a cane. Yeah, she says, what do you think she's going to do with the civilian fleet once she's eliminated you? Yeah. And he's just like, can't even fathom this until later. Yeah, it's funny, like, when she first says you got to kill her, like, the look on his face is like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, and then when he gets up to leave, that line he gives, uh, has the whole world gone mad? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's a great line. Um, Yeah, she, again, she, she tells him to become an assassin or whatever. He's like, I don't want to become an assassin. And she's like, yeah, no, you're not an assassin. You're a colonial officer who's sworn to protect the fleet. And, you know, what do you think Kane will do with you once, or what do you think she'll do with the fleet once you're gone? Again, it's that cold, pragmatic. Yeah. But she's, she's with crystal clear laser vision, she can see exactly what, um, what will transpire. And like, she's not messing around what needs to be done. Um, Sometimes you got to do the tough thing. She's also doing this with the knowledge that she only has a few weeks to live. So she, she can't wait around and see. Yeah. She has to plant this seed. Like, yeah. 
hey, you are not looking at this from an outside perspective. You are mm-hmm. stuck in the middle of what your training and conditioning has taught you. You you saying that reminded me that they he uh Ron Moore talks about that. Um that there was a whole other subplot that he had um with Rosalind and um and Kane around her knowing that she's gonna be gone soon and there's like an urgency there of why she's making some of the choices that she makes. So mm. it definitely is a, a piece of it. I like that it's like subtext. Yeah. I mean, it, it it gets encapsulated, I think, in the, the final moments of the episode, but it doesn't, like, it, it feels unsavory, but at the same time, it feels wholly necessary. Um, but I, and I also think, like, the, this is, the, again, the one of the great things about the show is it, like, brings up these questions so that we can kind of sit with them and watch people work things out. And it does end up working out in a in a particular way that I think answers Adama's original speech at the very beginning of the miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, but while we're going through this, we have to see where they're going to side on it. And even not not even him as much as uh, it's relevant more with uh, Admiral Kane and the choices that she makes at the end. Um. So then from here, we jump to uh, Med Bay, and we have a scene where Doc Cottle is uh, examining uh, Sharon. Um, Adama's standing close by. You see, like, uh, Marines in the background. Um, He's, you know, offering his support and concern. You know, you you don't necessarily see Cottle. You know, Cottle's bedside manner is always gruff. Um, mm-hmm. But in this instance, it's gruff, but it's an assertion for her quote unquote humanity, which I think is really interesting. It's sort of like the do no harm part of him, I guess. Um, he sees her as like a as a living thing, regardless of whether she's a machine or not. There's no reason why this thing should have happened to her. Doc Cottle calls it an attack, and she's like, oh, attack? Is that what we're yeah. calling it? Right. And right. Adama's like, well, you know, they weren't from the Galactica. And she was like, so what? Yes, yeah, so what? <laughs> and Adama starts to say, like, what happened to you? And Cottle cuts him off and says, was unforgivable. Yeah. And he says it with such force, like, unmistakably. There, This is not how you treat anyone. You don't violate people. Mm-hmm. regardless like he i like that he has a line it's a hard line and it you get that with that two words yeah well i mean what they did wasn't justice basically i mean that's why we have right. laws and stuff right it's like you yeah. can't just go off and do whatever you want just based on like you feeling bad about a situation you have to go through whatever process so once they you know obviously they and they and they repeatedly with gina went over across the line and they just mm-hmm. oh god anyways and Adama does say, like, it happened in my ship on my watch. It's my responsibility. I want to personally apologize, which is great. Yeah. But I don't know how how much better that makes her feel. <laughs> but it's nice for her to hear it, whether she wants to take that now or not. This is the first time, too. I mean, I never really thought about it to this moment. <laughs> I mean, it's obvious. Duh. But this is the model that – or not – this isn't the – not the 
it's not the actual model, but like that eight model is the one that shot him. And mm-hmm. so his, this is the first time I think that we see him relating to her anywhere close to their relationship. That's going to come later. Yeah. Where he's like, he definitely is like, yeah. When he says, I apologize, like he apologized mm-hmm. that, I mean, and it, his whole demeanor and it's you notice it the same way that he's relating to like Rosalind. It's like all that stuff from the past is gone now with him and Rosalind. So now they're like, they're at least friends in this moment, like a genuine respect. And for him with Sharon, I feel like it's that it's starting to get to that turning point where yeah. he doesn't have that, like, you know, he's not glaring at her. <laughs> get that thing out of here. He's not, none of that stuff. You know, so uh, through that line of questioning, she says, you know, kind of she jumps, she jumps lines here, but she, she says she heard a rumor that, um, Chief and Hilo are scheduled for execution and Adama pretty kind of steadfast that that's not going to happen, you know, under his watch. And then uh, Sharon is kind of like, well, isn't Admiral Kane in command? (laughs) Um, so then he does tell her to, you know, take her once, once Doc Hoddle's done to have her taken back to his cell. Um, but again, it's not in this like, you know, dismissive sort of way. Um, uh, then we jump over to, we're on Pegasus and, um, we're in the prison cell with the Tyrell and Hilo, uh, and Apollo enters and, uh, you know, Apollo like kind of jokingly, or, you know, calls them fools. They say that they've acted foolishly. Um, he kind of, he fills them in on what the situation is that there was a, the Adama went to the wall for those guys, went to the mat, I think he says, and um, they almost um, went to, they almost went, had a shooting fight over them. Um, and <laughs> Tyrell especially is flabbergasted. <laughs> and, uh, He's like, what the hell's going on? I thought the Cylons were the enemy. Then we go to one of my favorite locations, the Vancouver house. <laughs> and well, probably um, the last time we see it, right? Yeah, I think it's one of the last times we see it. Six, like, you know, she at first she's like, Were you like, what did she say? She's like, You're not interested in me. And he's like, No, that not this place. And then she shifts the conversation to something that she misses and he's like what is that and it's like sports and particularly she was she would go to basically she would go to a pyramid game scalp two tickets and then she would go there to feel like all the energy of the crowd and mm-hmm. kind of really telling you it's that whole um are you know are you alive kind of thing right like she yeah. wanted to see how these humans live or whatever and it's it's kind of adjacent to that uh like um how do i how do i feel true emotions kind of thing maybe mr data could have done the same thing and he would have gotten farther along um sooner on star trek the next generation than he than he did but um so she bought the kind of like the she bought the two tickets and baltar like asked her why and she's like because she wanted um she knew that he would never join her because it was too lowbrow i think she says she wanted to feel his presence with her, even if it was only in spirit. And I think that conversation for Baltar kind of like 
it's a it's a piece that kind of instigates something with him with Gina. It kind of affirms their weird love thing that they have going on with the six models. Uh, so it cuts right from there. It cuts to like real life, and um, we have Admiral. Can you hear that? Yes. What is that? I think it's my it's my neighbor's uh, garbage disposal. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so. Da, 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 Admiral da, da, da. Kane comes in. Baltar was like daydreaming and that sort of takes him out of his daydream. Yeah. And she's like, she, again, this is, this is a, an area where you're kind of like, I think what you're saying, like, I, I definitely don't like her in this scene. Like, I don't like the way she's like, she, she, keeps calling Gina and it and like, do you like, uh, did you get, did you get it to beg to roll over? Like she's like a dog and she isn't like she, well, she, she starts to talk about some of their past. So she says this thing sat in our mess and ate our food and listened to our stories. Um, then she, at a certain point kicks Gina and Baltar, you know, is like, Hey, don't do that. All this work I've done, you're going to mess it up. And then kind of like after that, like, she spits on her mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, it's like, yeah. And then she gives Baltar the pictures of the resurrection ship and yeah. tells him to find out about the ship. Yeah. So yeah, definitely not a, not a Admiral Kane fan in, in that moment. And, and regardless of what they're, you know, we find out more about the relationship and razor and that doesn't even, it kind of, it, 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 in a certain way, humanizes Kane, but it still doesn't excuse the way that she is. But I, at least I understand a little bit more. So as soon as, uh, so uh, Kane and the and her group leaves and kind of sitting there for a little, a little bit, and then all of a sudden Gina jumps up, lunges at Baltar, starts choking him. Um, and then after a few moments, she like backs away, cowers on the wall, and he he's on the other side of the cell, cowering on the wall. Um, and she kind of pleads to Baltar if he would help her end her life, and she basically she says she wants to die. Wasn't expecting that. She doesn't basically say it. She absolutely says, "I want to yeah. die." Yeah, yeah, I want to die. Yeah. Uh, so back on the uh, back on the Galactica, Adama is on the flight deck, and he's has having a conversation with Laird. And um, again, this was a little a little tidbit from the last episode. Um, Ron Moore said that he, I think he was he was contemplating making the character more Scottish, as in sort of like an homage to Scotty, a chief engineer from Star Trek. Um, and I think I think he said at the time too. He like um, Patrick Duhan had he was alive when they shot it, but then he like I think when they aired it or something, he had passed away like pretty soon after or something. So it would have it would have been a good spot for an homage, but he he didn't do that. But you see in the name, the name Laird was a uh, of Scottish uh, mm-hmm. derivative. So anyway, I know that like because I've tidbit. watched enough of. Outlander to know the word. Oh, layered. really? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, like I, yeah, I only know that from, uh, I used to watch this show called Monarch of the Glen and it's, uh, he was the Laird. <laughs> yeah. So they're basic, basically like, this is like a really quick scene 
mm-hmm. like Laird doesn't know how to like talk to a military officer, even though he's been doing this for like three months or whatever. He's just like, yeah. uh, uh, sure, sure thing. I mean, sir, uh, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Hey, guys. <laughs> And Adama's like goes over to Callie and he's like, uh, he's not military, is there? And she's like, no, he was a civilian aeronautical engineer. Oh, and then she says, Scuttlebutt is that the Pegasus used to have a civilian fleet, but something happened to them. He is intrigued by this revelation for certain. Yeah. We jump over to uh, another scene with Ty and Fisk. <laughs> They're drinking again. I always felt this was a little like, uh, like, character logic it seemed weird after everything that had happened that they would be back here again and it was just kind of funny that i've always kind of felt that and then like i was listening to the director's commentary and ron moore said yeah we you know i get a little uncomfortable when i watch it you know really? <laughs> yeah because i kind of yeah. liked that like that these two had sort of formed a bond mm-hmm. but ty gets to Ty gets to flex a different kind of muscle because he's he's like he's digging for information, but he's doing it in a way over drinks where, you know, it's kind of letting Fisk unburden himself to what he feels maybe he's established as a safe friend to do that yeah. with. Um, I just kind of like that. That, and I don't think that I think Ty actually likes him, and I think that mm-hmm. that Fisk actually feels bad which is why he's sort of confessing this stuff and i get maybe what ron moore is saying that like you know fisk should be a little more tight-lipped he probably shouldn't reveal so much but i like that he does because it because ty is just being a little bit different with him that allows him to do that you know we see all these shades of ty this is a different one yeah it's not i mean i it's for me it's just sort of uh maybe it's the execution or the the lack of a setup for the scene and again like it's it's not so important that i need to have like 10 extra minutes to have this scene make sense but i feel like extra lines here and there would have led leading up to them sitting there would have made more sense to me because it's almost the same exact shot and yeah. setup as the previous one. That's all. And, it, and it, like I said, like I, and it, it's never been like this, like it's always just been a feeling like I watched it and I had this feeling I never really like thought about it too much. But then I was, you know, listening to the director's commentary and Rob Moore said the same thing. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm not like, okay. That wasn't just me being, you know, critical or weird. Um, but there's a, it, it's, it's TV and like he, you know, he talks about how often because of time and stuff, they have to sometimes make choices just to like move things along. And that's what happened here. So like, would it have been different for you if they'd been just like chilling in Ty's barracks? Maybe if there were more scenes of the two of them having some, some kind of like interaction outside of, cause like n- normally when you see them, they are like he's Fisk is kind of like standing at attention behind what's her name Commander or uh, Commander Kane <laughs> Admiral Kane, um, and the only time we see him being a little bit human is in these scenes with Ty. So 
I would just have liked to see some scenes outside of that where we get more of a sense of who he is and that would kind of inform why he's in these scenes right where we see him when they're having those drinking because I, I can infer a bunch of stuff i'm not saying it just it just seems very abrupt to me don't want to dwell on it too much it's not it's not a, it's not a big deal so we learn that Laird's ship was a civilian pl- transport uh, fisk says that they found that ship and a few other civilian ships about a week after the attack um, lists off like what they had, FTLs and weapons, lots of spare parts that could be used used on the Pegasus. And this is how we learned that the military was priority, so they stripped all of the ships for parts. And Ty's like absolute horror at the fact that they took their jump drives and left them marooned. Mm-hmm. If if Ty hadn't had this reaction, it would have been really difficult to ever truly care about him, you know? Yeah, and his reaction was genuine. It was sweet yeah. mother of Artemis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and Fisk, Fisk is like, well, we didn't leave all of the people. Admiral Kane looked over the passenger list and made a decision about who was valuable and who wasn't. And then talks about how there were families that resisted or there were people who resisted because they didn't want to leave their families. And so they were told to shoot the families of anyone who refused to come. And they ended up having to shoot two families before everybody else who was being selected agreed to leave their families and let them be killed by Cylons or just die. It kind of makes me see the sequence in the miniseries with Rosalind um, leaving, like the that girl on the ship in a different light. Now, I I mean, obviously, it's not the same. It's not the same thing. I see it a little. I see it a little bit colder than I did before, because um, I can kind of. <sighs> I just can I can see like the that sort of like hard line stance that she has to take when she's leaving those ships. She doesn't she's not very warm about it. She's very like, "Up, oh, we got to go." And we see the shot of the girl. I know you hate that scene, right? <laughs> well, yeah. And just... it makes me it makes I mean, it makes me hate the scene more than I did before. So and wasn't that because those ships did not have jump drives? Right. Yeah, like I said, it's not. I'm not saying that it's the same thing. But so I guess the solution could have been to try to cram all of those people onto the ships that did have jump drives. But yeah. at the time, they didn't know. You know, they didn't have know what kind of time they had before. Yeah, so they didn't have enough time because the the Cylons right. were like jumping in. It was just the way the way that the way the scene was acted. She was very sort of just like. It was almost like it's not my problem. <laughs> and it didn't show like the whole like you know she wasn't like she didn't seem torn about it you know i kind of, i read i was reading a little bit of that in admiral kane's actions obviously kane takes it to like you know the nth degree but yeah i think there's um, a big difference between we can sacrifice every single person in this fleet 
or we can sacrifice this smaller number of people, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. There's a difference between that and which ones of you are useful. Mm-hmm. The rest of you get to die. And if the useful ones don't come with us, they're going to get to watch us kill their families. That's some Nazi shit. Yeah. Kane, I mean, the only person, the only person Kane didn't like self serve, ser- uh, like the only person she didn't like save was her first officer. But everything, <laughs> everything else is just, it's geared towards like her survival. Yeah. And even like, even, even what the, I mean, again, it's sort of like that idea that Adama had at the very beginning. It was like, we're going to go off and fight, you know? Um, but she, yeah, she's just like, she doesn't see that there's an entire, like, what, like, it's sort of like, what's the point of fighting if there's no one left to save, I guess? Like, imagine if in whatever multiverse, the Pegasus was the only surviving ship and they beat the Cylons. Like, imagine the planet that they end up populating, <laughs> like, with their Awful. value system. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like what were they going to do once it was all over, you know? Like, that would have been, literally would have been the mirror universe. Yeah. Back on the Pegasus, Apollo is uh, enters into a room where, I think, a situation room where Starbucks, like, she's lost in thought. And I kind of, you know... The way the the way Apollo acts towards Starbuck, like especially when I'm oh, watching this. Oh wait, are this... you gonna say that he doesn't respect her or think that she can? He thinks he's better than her, right? Yeah, he thinks he's better yeah. than her, and like yeah. I've always kind of like I've known it, but like I guess watching this show, I'm like it's like it's making me really like I don't like I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how am I doing? You mean apart from being demoted, finding myself yeah, working for one like of my he pilots? Makes it Great. about him. <laughs> Fuck off. Even, even, in, <laughs> even in the episode prior, like what I was saying, they say before, he's like, he was like, oh, my friends just, you know, whatever, got arrested for mutiny, whatever. And he just like, he just has this way about making it about himself. Like, I don't yes. know, man. Just. Jeez, he does, geez, but he also has this way of like constantly trying to ex- like show that he is better than her. Yeah, and like, it's annoying. Like, yeah, like in this moment, and like, and then she kind of like you know she's like you know I didn't have anything to do with that, right? And it's it's kind of like she she goes out of her way to console his his broken ego. Often yeah. she does it like in other like. Some episodes back, she did it where he was. I think it's that scene when she got back from Caprica, and yeah, it's just like. And she was sad, and he was like, "Why aren't you paying attention to me?" Yeah, <laughs> dude, it's yeah. it's like he because like again, well, like the again in, in the last episode when um, Stinger is like, you know, I or uh, apollo's like you know my last name's dama it's like just like the commander <laughs> it's like he thought yeah. that was a flex right and it's like dude, mm-hmm. no like you are daddy's little boy like like that's not you're not he just has this entitlement it's just oh yeah. it's ugly i don't i don't like it and so yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is why i, I kind of go back and forth on lee 
And it's also why, like, ultimately, I was never really a, like, Lee Starbuck shipper. Mm-hmm. Like, I always felt like he he thought that she was beneath him in some way. Even mm-hmm. when he's like, I love Kara Thrace. But then, like, won't do anything mm-hmm. about it. And, of course, she won't do anything about it either. But, still, I mean, they're, they're just so <laughs> bad for each other. <laughs> I mean, he did do something about it. That I, that was the time he did, but then yeah, she, but he like yeah, but he didn't yeah. go to to his wife and say, "Hey, I'm in love with Starbuck." He made the decision that he would, and then Starbuck's like, "Oh, well, whoops, I went and got married, and I don't believe in divorce." Um, yeah. So, and you know, we we'll definitely get into that when we get to unfinished business, but I don't know. I. I don't know. I, I also don't think that he ever really respected D. Maybe he respected her a little bit more than. Yeah, I mean, with D, I mean, if it, it, it just felt like a a dalliance that turned into, I mean, it's almost out of convenience or something. Like, well, it I was didn't... like a revenge marriage. Like, oh, Starbuck brought this guy back from Caprica. I guess I'll I'll just like get serious about this girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that'll show her. <laughs> I, don't know. I was just I probably mean... being a lot harsher on Lee than I need to be, but no, I, just... I don't think so. I actually I just... don't think so. Like you, okay. like you're right. Like he is just the way he. Like even in that in the final cut scene when he's like. He's just talking down to her about her not knowing, like he doesn't think she knows the yeah. whatever the, the poem. poem was. Yeah, and she, he, it's just, and I don't know if like if this is because like a lot of men just don't know how this kind of behavior comes off, and so this being written by a man. Um, largely the sh- show is written by men, so mm-hmm. like they don't see it that this is sort of it's like minor toxic masculinity, but it's toxic masculinity. Yeah, I mean, I I think for him, to me anyway, I think it's mostly intentional. But there are when I when I listen to when I listen to the commentaries especially when david ike is there and you kind of get that boys talking kind of vibe i definitely can see some like attitudes and stuff that like i'm like oh yeah there's some of that can find its way into the story but Mm -hmm. it's again and i think i've said this before it's it's a little bit more complex just with starbuck and apollo because literally it is a play on um, or like a twist on the original characters. And so there's a whole other like unspoken subtext to what they're doing in this episode. And it's almost like they have to act like this because they were just like, you know, two male buddy buddies in the original I'm again, it's not I'm not saying that it's it's warranted for him to right. act this way. Just... I see I know what you're saying and you know I there's that whole that whole concept of, you know, oh I don't know how to write a woman and the response is you write them the same way you would write a man. Mm-hmm. The, the people are people. You just write a person. 
and it can be a woman or it can be a man. It doesn't matter, right? So there's that. Well, we're going to gender swap this. We're going to make Starbuck a woman. But that changes the dynamics in certain things that I think mm-hmm. in 2005 it wasn't being thought about in the same way that it's being thought about now. So like the way that Lee talks to her back then, I didn't notice as much. But mm-hmm. now I'm like, ew. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so like I don't because know because we've man. learned, we've learned. We yeah. didn't know, we weren't as evolved then. We're evolved now. I don't think that it was written to be toxic, because it was written to be a reflection of where we were at. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, toxic. I mean, it, yeah, and it, you know, again, that the. the um benefit of a show like this is like having all of your characters be imperfect that it lets mm-hmm. it lets that exist without how do I, I don't even know how to frame it it lets that it lets that exist without us having to like condemn it as much because yeah they can't be perfect like because then we wouldn't like we want it we want to see them be messed up right yeah um but at the same time, I I do like I do think that there is like there is an unintended quality about the way that he was interacting. But then also, he was written to be that way, condescending in some others in some instances. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like a level of unawareness. Yeah. Like even if you're even if you're asserting that he is being condescending, there's still like a level underneath where they might have been unaware how. <laughs> There's a right. whole level of condescending that he was that they didn't, they couldn't see it. Yeah. I don't think that they intended for him to come off as as sexist. Um and and gen- yeah, definitely condescending as he does. It's more like he's just so self-centered in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So this like oh, I got demoted and I'm working for my pilot, but you add that on to all the other things that he said to her face that is like, like he does not seem to think she's smart. He doesn't think that she's worthy. He sometimes he tends to say things that makes it seem like he thinks that she's beneath him and it's just yuck. And I don't know that that, that they meant it to come off that way. I'm sure Jamie Bamber didn't mean it to come off that way. Because then, because then it brings up this question again. Like, if you remove the context of the previous show, right? So then it, it brings up this question: Why do you even like her in the first place in this show? Yeah. Because like, if you like, there's no, I there's wonder no that reason. A lot. Yeah, there's no like, why do you love her? Like, there's no if you don't respect her, you don't, <laughs> you don't laugh at her jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you're like there and so the the only answer is is that is because of the previous show, right? But not there's nothing in this universe that like they ever give you that's like oh they you know other than like, like they're animal meant to be together. Attraction. Yeah. 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 There's nothing there's no there's no good qualities about them. It's there's like a few times when they connect in a certain way that you know, but there's never, we were never shown anything that kind of shows you that he like, you know, that these two have this, have this great bond, you know? I just wonder if, if Katie Sackhoff and Jamie Bamber didn't have such great chemistry together, Mm -hmm. if they would have sort of abandoned that angle entirely, 
but they do have good chemistry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I talked about it before that they decided to bring Anders back because Michael Trucco and Katie Sackhoff had such great chemistry and they thought, oh, here's a wrench we can throw in that plan. Yeah. It might just be a problem of Katie Sackhoff having too much like charisma with everyone. And so they have these two playing off each other and they've got this great chemistry she has good chemistry with baltar like you know she's just a little too dynamic for her own good if they if they didn't spark the way they do as actors then maybe the dynamic of their on-screen relationship would have gone in a different direction but because they spark the way they do we kind of want to see them make out and so they keep going in that direction in little bits and pieces as we go along. And unfortunately that also leads to conversations like this where it's like, well, I mean, but why do you like her? You clearly don't. Yeah. He's I don't so, think that was in, I just don't think it was intentional. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's I, yeah, I think it's, it's like, it's complex, you know, on its surface. Yeah. Why do you like this woman? Yeah. Other than she's, cause she's cute. a, She's amazing, and how can you not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a, and it's funny. Kind of like, cute. <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to. I did. I just try not to sound lecherous on the airwaves. <laughs> yes, uh, because what you said about six on the bed was. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was. That's why I was like. <laughs> I was thinking. I was like. I, I I crossed the line already, and I just like. Okay, if I do it again, like the first time, it's just a joke. <laughs> If I do it again, it's a pattern. No, it's I don't an observation. It's yeah. <laughs> I mean, I re- I genuinely liked that scene on the bed. I I sue me. I don't know. No, it's that's fine. She looked great. If I looked like <laughs> yeah. that, I'd probably roll around in one sheet only as well. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh man, yeah. It's like it. You know, again the. The original Starbuck, I mean, he he had charisma like that, right? Like he he definitely was like the standout so much so that they the most popular episode of uh, Galactica nineteen eighty was just about him, right? Dirk Benedict just had that had that thing, and he was like the lady killer himself. Like all the women were in love with him. Um, I just totally forgot there. Yeah, yeah, he was face on the A team. Um, I totally forgot on um, the one connection that Admiral Kane had that ties into Commander Kane from the original is that they both had love affairs with the hot blonde on the show. Because <laughs> <laughs> in the original, um, so Starbucks romantic foil on the show was a Cassiopeia. And she was like this blonde, originally a prostitute. We're, we're going to actually talk. I'm going to talk about this character when we get to the black market episode. But originally she was a prostitute in the pilot, but then they turned her into like a nurse or something. When Commander Kane shows up later, he's like, I guess he had this relationship with her. And so she spends the episode like keeping, uh, <laughs> keeping Starbuck and Commander Kane and, and like, you know, hovering while she decides who she loves more. <laughs> uh, <man>. Wow. <laughs> All right. So we've been going long. Let's, yeah, uh, we are. 
yeah, uh, yeah. They talk a lot about it. They talk. <laughs> Starbuck and Apollo talk about a lot of stuff. Um, it's not really important. Uh, they don't talk about anything. She's just basically like asking for help on this op. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where they kind of decide what the, the op is, right? And we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, we jump back into um, the uh, prison cell with Gina. Baltar brings Gina some clothes. And then she, um, you know, she kind of turns away. He turns away, give her some privacy while she gets dressed. But, you know, he takes this. He sneaks a peek. He asked her if she knew she was a Cylon uh, or if she, if she knew or if she was like a sleeper agent. She's like, uh, no, I, I was a soldier. I knew, I'm a, I knew I was a Cylon. I knew what I was doing. She expected um, that when she completed her mission that she would die, that they would kill her. Um, and they didn't. Right before that, though, there, there's like a little interaction where like he affirms that what they did to her was wrong. Mm -hmm. So anyways, yeah. So she's like, you know, she wants to die. Um, Baltar counters by saying that she can't die. And then she's like, you know, basically, yeah, I can, if you destroy that thing that, and she's pointing to the pictures of the uh, resurrection ship. So then in a, a following scene, Baltar tells them what the resurrection ship is. So basically, it's been traveling with the Cylon fleet, um, and since they were too far away from the Cylon homeworld to download, it just follows them. Um, so they decide that if they actually can destroy it, then the Cylons can die, die, and also that might get them to stop chasing them. So... Back on Colonial One, we see Rosalind is very sick with with her. I don't know if it's like, I mean, I guess it's the cancer. I didn't know if it was like the Kamala or or what, the medication. But. Um, what I, I don't know if I read it on Wikipedia. I think I read it on Wikipedia that it's like either she's just like weakened from the cancer. So she's just got, you know, a bit of a infection mm -hmm. or it's traveled to her lungs but they never say it has traveled to her lungs so i would say mm -hmm. it's just that she's having treatments and her immune system is weakened and she just doesn't feel well today yeah i mean she kind of intimates that like sometimes yeah. she feels better she has better days than others but anyways yeah he he tells you know he tells her she was right about the pegasus civilian fleet um rosalind's wishes she says she wishes she was surprised she's not um she's, uh, kane is playing for keeps and Adama has to do the same. Adama is like, you know, what's gotten into you? Becomes so bloody minded, um, and she's just like, dude, as long as Kane lives, uh, like uh, your survival is at risk. And you know, if you go down, we all go down. He, she starts coughing, and he, um, he asks, you know, gets some water, and he asks, you know, what can I get you? <laughs> and then she jokes. She starts joking. Could you give me one of those new Cylon bodies? Yeah. From the and he's like, I ship. can't see you as a blonde. <laughs> and uh, it's again, it's like it has nothing to do with plot per se, but it's again those really cool character moments. And yeah. in the background, um, you know, I, I go on and on about the music, and this is the other piece of music um, from these three episodes that I think is just um, eternally great. And we hear this theme 
multiple times as the show goes on from here. Um, it's the Rosalind and Adama theme, and we hear it starting to play in the background. He offers a hand. It's kind of like, see you tomorrow. And it's like, this is the first time we're kind of like, I mean, I, I didn't I didn't see romance here, but this is like the first time, like, it's like the, like, you can see that the wall, whatever walls they had around their hearts are gone when yeah. it comes to the relation. But he also recognizes that she's dying and you see a tear kind of falls yeah. at, at a certain part. And when he's leaving, he turns around to talk to her and he wipes the tear from his eye before he faces her. So he's definitely like that uh, one again. Jensen Ackle tear. Oh, Jensen, is it, Ackle, does he... Jensen Ackles is really good about crying with just one tear going down his face. Oh, really? Got to watch more supernatural. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For such a, you know, tough guy. Dean cries a lot. So uh, back in the cell, this is yeah, Tyrol. Basically, is just saying like he's going to make some changes. Um, he's over Sharon. Hilo basically is like, yeah, I get it. I'm in love with her. I can't change you. But if you can let her go, you should do it. Yeah. Whatever. We're back on. I guess I think they're on the Galactica and um, Starbucks going over their mission plan with the, both the Galactica and Pegasus crews. Um, so they're using those uh, all those um, ship models that they used in the episode uh, Hand of God episode. Again. Yeah, but who um, made the new one? <laughs> I was like, I was thinking. I was thinking about that when I was watching it. I was like, because they had the resurrection ship there. Yeah. And then I actually started thinking about it too because I was like, the the Vipers that they have are the Mark Twos. And not the Mark Sevens, and they would have maybe like if they had already existed, they would have been Mark Sevens because those would have been the ones that were it. And maybe they just have a three D printer, and that's I mean, my conclusion. That that was the joke I was going to make is that there's a three oh. D printer somewhere. <laughs> it's just like oh, real quick, we've got yeah. uh, about six hours. Can you make this little ship? It's got all yeah. the spikes. Um, I yeah, did that, read that. They the the design of the resurrection ship was a early design of potentially what the Galactica was going to look like. Ooh, really? They like you mean back in the back, like a uh, old school design or like a new design I, for the Galactica? I think it was a new design. Like they were, Ooh. it was a potential like aspect of the Galactica or something. Oh, I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah. I, it's a, it's actually a, it's actually a beautiful design, but it doesn't look like a warship. No, yeah, not at all. The Galactica needs to look like a big like whale. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like a big bucket of bolts kind of deal. So anyway, uh, the plan they go over the plan. Basically, uh, it's kind of reminiscent of uh, Starbucks' other plan. They're gonna it's exactly. Have, yeah, it's exactly. They're going to have Same fake plan. mining. Yeah, fake mining operation. Uh, they're going to jump away. They're going to think the civil, a couple civilian ships are going to stay behind. They're going to think that they're like still like they're having trouble with their FTLs. And then while the Cylons pursue them, the Galactica and the Pegasus are going to jump into the uh, to where the base stars are and the resurrection ship. They're going to engage the base stars, and then they're going to send out all. They're going to send out the squadrons to fight the um, um, to fight the resurrection ship. Also, I forgot. Uh, and 
uh, Apollo is going to jump into the re- near the resurrection ship with the Blackbird stealth fighter, and he's going to take out their FTL drives. Um, and there's this whole there's this whole thing about like why can't he just why can't he just nuke it? And they they uh, said they ran simulations um, and they would have detected them. Um, so you know for plot reasons they can't make it that easy, I guess. Um, I thought that that but... was a really good response. That like, our we ran simulation. It shows that sh- they're being responsible. She's being responsible de- designing this op. They mm-hmm. ran simulations and determined that the Cylons would detect the nuclear warheads. They wouldn't mm-hmm. know the ship, but they would detect yeah. the radiation signature, so yeah. it would blow their cover. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Like for yeah. t- like because and they want to make sure that the. Obviously, they want to make sure that the ship just can't jump away. So it's like priority is to actually yeah, take out the FTLs. Yeah, uh, definitely. 100%. Then, uh, yeah. So then uh, they, uh, you know, how many, how many squadrons are they going to send out the attack? And Starbucks says all of them. It's very like, oh, this is it. Um, mm-hmm. Adama is kind of standing there really silent. Um, and then Kane asks him if there's a problem and he, you know, he's like, I, I need time to go over the operational details. She says she's done. So the chick's out with her, but fine, fine guy, whatever. Suit um, yourself. He asks, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Adama, the, you know, the, everyone's kind of like getting ready to leave. And Adama asks if, uh, your CAG, if Starbuck can stay behind so she can answer some questions about the mission plan. She agrees. She gives Starbuck an hour. And they all leave. And then Apollo, like a lost dog or something, is standing there wide-eyed like he doesn't know what to do. Um, yeah. I kind of, like, part of me read it because it's like he still, like, thinks he's the captain and he needs to be there or whatever. Right. Um, but whatever. But, uh, you know, Dama tells him to stay focused on the mission. So then this is, yeah, so we're at the the last part. And so these last two parts actually happen. They intercut. Um, between each um, little bit, but I'll just go over. I'll go over the Pegasus part or the uh, Kane part first, and then the Adama part second. So um, they're in the Raptor going back to the Pegasus, and Kane is talking to um, Fisk, and she tells him to bring. She wants him to get a group of mar- uh, mar- mariners, mm-hmm. Marines, um, to, uh, to be on board the Galactica during the assault. Um, she wants razors. We're all razors. Um, that's going to come back into play at some point down the road. <laughs> What's a razor? Yeah, it's, like, it's so funny because, like, what, you know, after I watched Razor, and then when I rewatched this this show over the years, I'm like, oh my god, they already had that in there. That's great. I don't even know if they knew what that was at the time, um, but anyway, uh, they go into it much, much, uh, much later on the on that movie mm-hmm. um, but anyways um she says the excuse will be that fisk will be her eyes and ears adamo will won't like it but he'll let it happen after the battle stay in the cic and then um there'll be the usual kind of like celebration and everything she says security will be lax and then um she'll ask for him directly and when she says execute order 66 <laughs> execute order 66 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no she says uh 
She had execute case orange to signal the Marines to terminate Adama's command and very ominously saying, starting with Adama. And at that same time, intercut between those, Adama's talking to Starbuck and he says, you know, first of all, he's like, I want you to do something. She's like, I'll do anything for you. And he's like, uh, yeah, don't sit, don't accept too quickly. <laughs> You're not going to like this. He's like, I don't even like it. Um, but he says, after the mission, after your pilots are accounted for, land on the Pegasus, report to the CIC, take Apollo with with you. He'll watch your back. Again, there'll be like the emotional high on the bridge after the win. And when their guard's down, he'll ask for Starbuck on the wireless. And then when he says, downfall, I want you to pull out your weapon and shoot Admiral Kane in the head. Specifically in the head. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then we're done. The one thing I really liked about those two scenarios was that both Admiral Kane and Commander Adama assumed that they were going to be victorious in this battle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was, that was, that was something I kind of noted, but uh, yeah. So that's the end of uh, a resurrection ship part one. Uh, did, I remember originally watching that, being like, oh, my God, that got really dark. <laughs> so, so this um, plan that they both have, taking advantage of this celebration in the CIC after a um, successful operation, is the exact thing that Sharon did. Yeah, yeah. That was... That was what was in her programming to take advantage mm-hmm. of that celebration after mm-hmm. um, Cobalt's uh, during Cobalt's last gleaming part two. Yeah, I did think about that kind of briefly because I was like, at least on the Galactica, you would think that they would be a lot more cautious, <laughs> right? After that, but you know, um, it is what it is. Another thing I learned is that the idea that Admiral Kane made her officers stand during meetings came from mm. Ron Moore learning that John Bolton, that piece of shit, would make his staff stand <laughs> in meetings to make sure the meetings wouldn't last long. You know, because yeah. God's forgive anyone in this government that we had at the time would take the time to think things through and like, sit down and like discuss things. Yeah. Keep standing. He learned that about John Bolton when he was a uh, American ambassador, but it, I'm right. sure he didn't change who he was once he was working for Trump. Uh, that was kind of that that little bit, like you reminded me that that little bit was tied to the actual sets that they had, and then he had to come because there were no chairs, and he had to come up with a reason why she didn't sit mm-hmm. down. So that's kind of, um, but as a another little trivia tidbit that I remember was that that actually the set parts of part of that set, I think it was like the CIC of the Pegasus was actually originally the, um, set from a lost in space pilot that didn't go to series. Hmm. Um, so it was just kind of sitting there and they repurposed it and they, they built a bunch of new sets for, you know, corridors and other, other scenes, but that CIC, I think was originally for that. So that's how it was there. Um, this was Michael Reimer's first episode that he wrote for the series. Oh, wow. He directed it, but he also wrote it. He wrote it while he was in Italy on a vacation based on an outline by Anne Cofell Saunders and Ron Mm -hmm. Moore. Okay. Originally, Adama was going to move against Kane when she broke her promise, her promise to protect the civilian 
the civilian fleet during the attack on the resurrection ship, but Ron Moore realized that there was a more dramatic scenario to explore. Mm-hmm. And it, that kind of ties into the original Pegasus, right? Isn't that what Kane did? Was like, didn't protect the civilian fleet. Yeah, it was. He, he it wasn't his his concern wasn't the fleet, but he wasn't. It wasn't like they were at odds per se, like to the, I mean, to the extent that they are. Right. And this, yeah. So, um, and then Starbucks flight around the resurrection, resurrection ship was shot months later when the show became a two-parter. Originally, we wouldn't have seen her on that mission. Yeah. I'm so glad they shot that. I feel like it's very important. (laughs) Almost. Yeah. Lots of ways makes the episode. To me, anyways, you finally get you actually get to see the blackbird doing something. So yeah, so I was thinking while I was watching this the other day that Rosalind's the president. Mm-hmm. Why can't she just say, uh, "Helena Kane, you are no longer the admiral of this fleet"? I mean, I think she because she knows that this is not going to go down that way. I, I mean, I, and I actually that was that was a part of that subplot. I think that Ron Moore is talking about where if she, she, I mean, she could have said that, but like, she didn't have the, she doesn't have the guns. So Mm. who's going to like, who's going to back that up. So she was, there was like some tension around the um, like refueling the other ships and that kind of stuff. And like, I think that they were talking about there being, you know, like a, insurrection or something on the fleets and they they use they end up using that story point with the fuel ship um not supplying fuel like in season three or four i think it is but yeah that's that's kind of that was the direction that they were going to head in um but yeah she couldn't i mean you know couldn't have necessarily done that here all right was baltar the worst was baltar the worst uh no he was not no, I don't think he was either. Uh, who gets full colors? Uh, it's a tough one. There's a lot going on in this episode. Um, I will. I would give full colors. I think maybe to Starbuck. I kind of want to say Adama though. Maybe Roslyn. <laughs> I, I said Roslyn. She just. She just kind of like again. She she cuts through everything and like whatever she says is like the truth in this episode. So. Yeah. Who would you throw out the airlock? Admiral Kane. Yeah. Same. And this week's favorite Cylon? (sighs) I'm going to say Gina. Yeah. Yeah. I said Gina, I guess. There's not really, no one, none of the Cylons really did anything. I did like Six's story about buying two tickets to pyramid games and just wanting yeah. to like experience with that, that sort of rush of energy. Mm-hmm. So maybe six head six. Um, do we have any new reviews? No, we do not have any new reviews this week. I was very sad. I almost that's cried. A bummer. Yeah. That's a bummer. It's just making us sad. It's going to be sad boy, sad girl fall. If we don't get some reviews. The only emotions that I'm trying to learn um, as a Cylon is um, love and joy, but not sadness. So (laughs) help a Cylon out. (laughs) So where can people find you on the internet? You can find me 
all their usual places, uh, Instagram, the Armageddon, um, Angela and the Dark, and First Noel Chronicles. Um, and uh, you can see my motion comic of Angela in the Dark on my YouTube channel uh, for Forge Creation. And that's... Oh, and uh, also I'll be, we'll be recording an episode of uh, TV Obscura. I think this week we're going to be going over, we're going to be doing our Halloween episodes. So we're going to be doing um, uh, the old uh, Friday the 13th, the series, Freddy's Nightmares, the series, and uh, Poltergeist, the series, I think. so. There was a Poltergeist cool. series? Yeah, we I I actually never watched it before, but I vaguely remember it being on. Was it cursed like the Poltergeist franchise? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Other than it, I think it actually went for like two seasons though. So, but no I one think it was died? on show. It was on. Yeah, I don't think anyone died. But we, you know, I don't know. Like maybe when we when we dive into it, um, maybe it is cursed. Who mm. knows? It was on Showtime. I think that's why I never watched it. Interesting. I, was not a cable owner at the time. Well, you can find our show on Twitter at GalactuallyPod, um, on Instagram at GalacticaActually. You can email us your thoughts at GalacticaActuallyPodcast at gmail.com. And you can find me on Instagram at oh, hey, Jamie. It's just a lot of pictures of cats, really. <laughs> um and uh, you could find my past work with the Unspoiled Network on any podcast app that you choose. I cover Doctor Who, Lost, Band of Brothers, The Punisher, The Vampire Diaries. Next week, we will be concluding this trilogy with Resurrection Ship Part 2. Can't wait. I had to, like, not watch. Yeah, I wanted same. to watch so bad. Ugh. That's why I, like... I was like 10 minutes into it. I was like, do we want to cover this as one? <laughs> yeah. Actually, I actually, it's funny when you asked me that because I, I was kind of, I meant to like message you, but then I was like, no, I got to hold and hold myself to one episode a week. Even though this hurts, it hurts all my body, but yeah. I gotta, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So next week we'll have the conclusion of this very tense story and it will be fun. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh. It's going to be good. All, All right. right. Well, until then, what do you hear? Nothing but the rain. Bye. Later. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.